Welcome to the Gym Heroes Podcast. I'm your host, Josh Peacock. Today's show is brought to you by Gymdesk, the easiest gym management software you'll ever use. Take payments, create marketing automations, track attendance, and much more. To try the software out free, go to gymdesk.com. No credit card or painful sales call required. Our hero today is James Patrick a media specialist who's worked both on the production and pitching sides of getting published with magazines, radio, TV, podcasts, and more. In this episode, he uncovers the secrets to getting published and quadrupling your business leads in the process. Without further ado, James Patrick. All right. Welcome to the Gym Heroes podcast. James, welcome to the show. I'm glad to have you on. Um, If you don't mind, could you please go over... Well, introduce yourself a little bit and then go over your background in media and business. Sure thing, Josh. Thanks for having me on. So I've been a photographer for a little over 20 years, most of that time in the health and fitness space. And also within that time, I've been privileged enough to shoot more than 600 magazine covers. In that, what I've really done is start to learn and to leverage the power of earned media, earned media, be it getting published, whether it's magazines, podcasts, television, uh, whatever platform you are getting in front of, how to cultivate earned media features and how to leverage earned media features Mm -hmm. to grow one's brand or to grow one's business. So whether you're a personal trainer or gym owner or a fitness influencer, how can you truly take advantage of the power of earned media to grow your brand, amplify your authority and generate leads for your business? Excellent. So why would anyone want to be published in media versus running ads or focusing on SEO or other traditional forms of of fitness marketing? Because those things seem easier to do. So why why should they put resources into earned media? And really, it comes down to easier can be a little bit of a misnomer. I would say the amount of hands-on work it takes. Yeah, perhaps. Mm -hmm. But trying to navigate the advertising platform right now is tremendously difficult as, as someone who yeah. runs. And, and by the way, I run lots of ads. There's nothing against ads. So when we think right. about, and I'll start with goals of earned media and then why earned media can actually be more beneficial than advertising. So when we think about goals of earned media, uh, I, it comes down to three things. Number one is vanity, which is fine. Like we can admit it, like it's cool <laughs> to see ourselves on TV or in a magazine. Absolutely. Okay. The other two uh, is authority amplification. So to say that you've been profiled or featured or your business has been showcased within these outlets builds trust, it builds credibility, it, it raises your clout. Okay. And that's really, that's hindsight marketing. It's like I've been featured in all these places and that goes on your website, goes on your media kit, goes in your email signature, goes on your Instagram bio. Mm-hmm. So a lot of individuals who are coming across your content or your profile or whatever it is you are putting out into the world having that media feature or having that showcase can just be that little push that they needed to trust you or to want to do business with you, realize that you know what it is you're talking about. And the third goal, 
for earned media would be lead generation. So someone sees the feature, they immediately jump into your ecosystem, and then they want to purchase from you. So knowing those three goals can determine where you're putting your efforts and energy, like which publications or podcasts or, or, or TV spots are going to generate the best results based off your goals. Now, let's look apples to apples, earned media versus paid advertising. One, earned media is free, which is great. But paid advertising will get sometimes 25% of the engagement that an earned media spot will. So we'll Mm. take a magazine, for example. Let's say you get a full-page write-up in a magazine right next to an advertisement. That magazine article is going to get four times the engagement that that one full-page ad. So you'd need to buy four full-page ads to equal a one-page article in a magazine. And the reason for that, Josh, is we as consumers are adept at tuning out advertisements. We're hit with advertisements all day long. And yeah. I mean, I've seen estimates up to 10,000 ads per day that we're exposed to, and we just don't want to see them. But what we do want to see is what we showed up for. So if I'm flipping through a magazine, I want to see why I'm flipping through that magazine. I want to see the content of the publication, not the ads. Okay. Unless I work in advertising, in which case, <laughs> right there. But it's same thing with like social media, like when, because we run lots of ads on social media and we have to be very, very creative to to create advertising collateral that does not look like an ad because if it looks like an ad it's just so easy to move past and that right there is once again the power that creative or that that earned media can have is you've earned the platform you've earned that media exposure mm. so you're you're that exposure you're gaining is getting in front of people who are really kind of want to see that content. That's why they're following that media source versus advertising where it's usually intrusive. And even if you're doing something like Google ads, which is not um, not like popping up out of nowhere, um, you know that those are going to pop up every time you search. You still, I gloss over them, right? Most people gloss over them. It's hard to catch somebody's eye when you're doing that. So you're, you're really getting yourself in front of, I guess you could call them almost a warm audience, people who want to see that kind of stuff. I think so much of it is where you're capturing people's attention within their journey of wanting to hire someone. I mean, mm-hmm. uh, you know, I, I'm a homeowner. I get ads all the time for landscaping, for window cleaning, for plumbing, whatever it is, right? Mm-hmm. But I don't think about those things if I don't need those things until I need that thing. And then I'm scrambling to think, well, I need a plumber and I need him yesterday. Who's, oh, someone just sent me this flyer two days ago, right? So there would be an example of the interruption happened at the right moment. The idea of earned media is to build awareness and attention before someone might want to purchase from you, okay? And once they become aware of you, then the earnest is on you to nurture that lead. And that's, I mean, that's the power of social media. And I'm sure you've talked about social media on your, on your, on your platform before, but mm-hmm. that's just because someone knows you exist doesn't mean they trust you. Doesn't mean they want to do business with you. It just means they know about you. So it's about earned media that builds the right awareness to the right audience, looking so the right people to see you. And then once they have entered into your ecosystem, taking care of them, nurturing them. And that's that's through your social media. That's through your email newsletter. That's, that's it, through your podcast. It's mm-hmm. the content you are putting out that supports your audience and their desires, their needs, solving their problems before they've ever asked for something is that additional layer of, of value building that you're giving to your clients. Absolutely. So we've, we've established the value of earned media um, and, it, and it 
often works better than, than trying to run ads. So how do you go about getting published? What's the, what's the nitty gritty of gaining those media spots? I think the first thing, as I alluded to, is to know what the goals were. So for myself and my business, if my goal, and, and by the way, it's okay to have different goals at different times or to have mm-hmm. multiple goals at the same time. For me, vanity is not a big push for me. It, it may have been at some point. So I have to look at the other two, authority amplification versus lead generation. And there are assets that I will pursue just for authority amplification. Like the other week, we got a feature in Entrepreneur Magazine. That has been on our, our on our radar for I don't know, 10 years. And we were finally able to secure it. Mm-hmm. That right there, to, to be able to use that asset in all of my future marketing to say, I've been profiled in Entrepreneur Magazine, that became invaluable to us. So that's authority amplification. All right. So we, we targeted that one intentionally. For lead generation, well, the individuals I'm going to be targeting might be different than the individuals who read Entrepreneur Magazine. Entrepreneur Magazine is great for authority, but how many health and wellness professionals, which is most of my clientele, are reading Entrepreneur Magazine? That percentage drops a bit, okay? Versus, let's say, if I get a feature in Oxygen Magazine. Well, now I'm right on the head. Or, you know, I I just did a feature with a magazine called Personal Fitness Professionals Magazine. Well, the only people who get and read this publication are fitness professionals. 100% of that audience is the target avatar that I'm trying to get in front of. Okay. So, so a feature there is directly lead generation. It's not going to do much for my authority because no one really knows, you know, unless you're, unless you're a subscriber, you might not have heard of that publication because it's a trade magazine. So you're selecting where you want to go based off your goals, right? So if, if I'm a trainer and I'm trying to get, let's just say I'm a trainer, I own a brick and mortar gym. And I'm trying to get lots of people in the doors of my gym. I'm going to look at local media. I mean, local media is phenomenal for lead mm. generation. Landing a feature on landing a, a feature on your morning news. Like we had a a trainer here in Phoenix where we're based out of. She landed a cover of a local magazine. She two xed her inbound leads in that single month. Two xed mm. it like right there. That many more people saw that feature and like, oh, this individual's in Phoenix. I'm looking for a trainer. I got to hire this person. I want people want to hire local. So right there is to set your goals. Once you've set your goals, then it's really about doing a little bit of research of the outlets that you feel are best in line with your goals. And when I say research, this is not studying a magazine cover to cover, although please do. But really, it's just about understanding a few basics. What is the media outlet run? Who is their audience? And is there a connection between what you have to offer and what that what that outlet is trying to push out. Okay. Can you see yourself fitting within their, their ecosystem, within their editorial content? Mm-hmm. Do you have something to contribute to them? And that's really the first thing is just to get a sense of what is this outlet and what do they do? Like I run a podcast much like yourself. And, and I'm curious, like, do you ever get pitches that one, get your podcast name wrong? Two, don't know your name or three, have no idea what your podcast even generates as far as content? Yeah, I've got I've got some form generated. It looked like it was generated out of a tool, basically, yeah, just, or or copy and paste, right? Right. Like I got one the other day that's like, "Hey, Justin, we'd love to be on the Image Podcast." I'm like, "Oh, nice." So I have no idea who Justin is, but that was the name of the last person you sent this email to, and just copied <laughs> and pasted it and forgot yeah. to change Justin to James. Yeah. Okay. Or people who think Beyond the Image, which is my podcast, is a show for photographers because I'm a photographer. And like, we'd love to come on your show to talk about photography. 
well, I don't talk about photography on my show. That's not what my show is about. And all you'd have to do is read the the two sentence description of my show to know what it's about. Or, you know, people pitching to be in a show that doesn't even take yes. That would be an issue, right? So mm-hmm. just basic information. What is this outlet? What do they feature? And is there a fit? Okay. Once you understand that, then it comes to the pitch where you are proposing yourself, where you are introducing yourself to them. Two big misconceptions about earned media. Number one, you have to be a celebrity. You don't. All right. Out of 600 covers, maybe, I don't know, 50 were celebrities. Like, and that's mm-hmm. just covers, like that, thousands upon thousands of interior features. Not a single one, I would say, would be of a celebrity status. It's individuals who had something to offer to that publication, a story, an idea, a pitch that worked for that, that publication and their readers or their listeners. So, the pitch is, oh, second misconception is you have to do something really big and then they'll notice you and they'll come to you. Chances are they're not looking. Mm-hmm. And if they are, they might not find you anyway because they're overwhelmed with so much stuff. We have so right. much work to do as, as producers. So you have to go to them. Now, the pitch is where a lot of people get hung up because there's a lot tied to our ego with pitching and fear. Am I going to get rejected? Mm-hmm. What if they don't like this pitch? It doesn't need to be as complicated as one thinks. This is a pitch. This is who I am. This is what I do. This is what I want to do for you. That's a pitch. That it, That's it. And by the way, that's all you need. You don't need, like, I don't need a page long email telling me why you're good for my podcast. Cause I'm not, yeah. I just don't have the time to read it. If I'm working for a magazine, I don't need an essay on why you are the best person to write or feature in this publication. I just need to know who you are, what you do and why you'd be a good fit for this magazine. And the answer to that question is, what are you offering to the publication? So the offer is your idea. Okay. So like if I were to pitch to be on, on, on your show, it would be, I want to talk about the four things you need to get published. Okay. So I'm offering value to your show. And at that point, I think that's the most important thing. And then you can look into who I am and what I do. Oh, well, James, he's a photographer. He works in the industry. Okay. That's a fit. I will always look at idea before I look at who's pitching the idea and what they do. Right. You know, it's like, is, is this idea worth it to my audience? All right. And magazine editors work the same way. Is this article idea or this feature idea, would this be good for our audience? Would this add value to our audience? Yes or no? If it's yes, okay, well, who's the person pitching it? Okay. Yeah. They, they look like they know what they're talking about. Let's bring them in. This is who I am. This is what I do. This is what I want to do for your magazine or your podcast or your television station. So all you have to have as someone pitching to outlets, four to five ideas. That's it. And these ideas can be offering value, insights, solving problems, solutions, could be about something within your backstory that would be important for others to learn from or to gain insights from. That's it. That's all you need. Just a couple ideas. And when you position one or two of those ideas, that's what you're trying to get in front of these media outlets. That's the value that they're that they're looking for. And once you do that, then it becomes a, a practice of following up because most individuals, 90%, will send one pitch and only one pitch. That's it. And they never follow up. They figure, well, I didn't hear back. I must not have what it takes. I'm going to move on. Yeah. And the truth is, is it can take upwards of 8 to 12 pitches before someone notices you. And I'm, I'm talking national spots, uh, but even local spots, you know, like it can take a while. Like I mentioned, like we've been targeting Entrepreneur Magazine, not obsessively, but they, they've been on our radar for about 10 years. And we finally had the right pitch to get in front of them. Um, I was pitching a TV show uh, about a year ago. 
And after four months of pitching ideas, none of the ideas were landing. Okay, they were close, but they just weren't landing. And mm. I, you know, I developed a good relationship with with the with the journalist and reporter. And so they're like, you know, this is okay, but it's not really what our audience needs. I'm like, okay, what about this idea? What about this idea? And after four months, I had an idea. They're like, oh, that works. Mm. Okay, let's have you on. And that's what it takes. I was pitching to a magazine a couple of years ago, and every month I would send them a new postcard of my work. Every postcard had a different photo of my work on it. And I'd write this really nice handwritten note on the back saying, this this is the type of work I want to do for your magazine. After nine months, nine postcards, I've heard nothing, zero response. And I'm feeling what we feel. I'm feeling like they don't like me. My work's not good enough. I don't have what it takes, whatever. I'm on social media and I happen to follow the photo editor of the magazine. And they post on Instagram something about like working late on a deadline. And it's a photo of them sitting at their desk. And there's one thing on the wall behind them. It looked familiar. So I zoom in. And sure as hell is one of my postcards. And I went back and looked. And it was actually the first postcard I sent them back in January. We're in late September now. So they've had this postcard tacked on their wall. The only thing on that wall, by the way, for theoretically up to nine months. Okay. And that was that light bulb. Okay. They just don't need me yet. Remember those mailers we get? They just don't need me yet. Keep pitching, keep pitching. It was a few months later, they ended up hiring me. The fortune is going to be in the follow-up. So effective follow-ups matter. And a good follow-up is not just making sure you got this. And the reason that's not a good follow-up is because, well, if I get that, I'm going to feel like, yes, I got it. But now I feel like an asshole for not responding. (laughs) So follow-up, either adding more context to validate your idea or pitching Mm -hmm. a new idea. And do it like every three to four weeks. So how you validate an idea is, I'll just use the example I gave uh, to be on your show. Um, I could follow up and say, by the way, did you know that earned media gets four times the engagement that paid advertising does? That's why this is so important for personal training and and fitness professionals. That's a follow-up. Or follow-up is, hey, by the way, I just did this other interview on this topic that went really well. I just want to let you know about it because I think this would be great for your show as well. That's a follow-up. Um, or, you know, you could even point out something that happened in a media outlet that had nothing to do with you, but it just validates your idea. Like, oh my gosh, look at this. Look at all the, the, you know, media that came out after this one cover landed and, and what happened in this person's business. Well, this is what I want to talk about on your show, right? So you're validating the idea. You're giving more context. If that, you know, doesn't work, then you just say, Hey, by the way, if this idea doesn't work or it's not the right time, no worries. Here's another idea I want to put in front of you. And this is why you come up with a couple different ideas. Mm. Okay. And you could attach ideas seasonally. You can attach them to new trends. You could, you can modify ideas based off what is happening in the world today. And every three to four weeks, you're just following up until they say, you know what? Pro, you know, you can stop. Like it's okay. Like chances are you're not bothering them because they get these pitches all the time. And it's about earning their attention so that you can start a conversation. So it's not about one pitch being the perfect pitch. It's about getting the pitch to try to get the attention so you can have a conversation. It's not a question of if it will happen. It's a question of when. I've never had a client not earn media. Mm-hmm. It's just a question of when they get it. And when you get it, you over-deliver. Yeah. You deliver so well. So like that TV show I mentioned that finally had me on after four months of pitching. I really put a lot of energy into that segment and, and that production. And it went so well. And we were promoting it on our channels and, and trying to drive a lot of traffic. It went so well. They've had me back on four times since. Wow. That's repetition. Okay. Because much like it might take an editor to notice you're pitching, hey, wouldn't it behoove you to be in front of that audience more? 
right? So being featured in the media multiple times matters. And that's why we have to do that fourth thing, which is stay in touch. Because once you earn the trust of, of someone in the media, whether it's a podcast host or a journalist or a magazine editor, you've earned the trust They and you do good work. They're going to want to work with you again. And it behooves you to keep that relationship and to find out what they need next. Because guess what? You're at the, you're, you're in the front of the line. They don't have to think of, oh, I need a, I need a writer for, for this thing. No, I know a writer. I got that. That's really, really excellent information. I, I, you always hear like, Hey, you need to stick with it, stick with it. And something will eventually shake loose, but that <laughs> there's not a lot of advice on how to stick with it because there's good ways to follow up and bad ways to follow up. And then understanding how things work. Um, with your anecdote about the little postcard that was set up on the wall, you realize that they were, they were putting you in on the back burner because they, they realized that you were going to be useful later. Mm-hmm. And you just didn't know because they didn't have enough time to, to let, to let you know that basically. So knowing how things work behind the scene also, I think on a psychological level will embolden somebody like me and many of, uh, many of the listeners to, to actually not be discouraged and to continue to, to follow up and to continue to generate those ideas and not be so, I guess, timid or uh, defeatist about how they go about trying to earn media. So that, uh, that is really, really excellent advice. And I'm glad that you, you added that anecdote because that really pulls back the veil a little bit. Oh, excuse me. It pulls back the veil a little bit and, um, makes me realize that this is actually how this works. And it's not a bad thing if I'm not hearing anything yet. I mean, worst case scenario, let's say you do hear no. Mm-hmm. I mean, play that through. Okay. Yeah. I, and, and that's it. Okay. You know, I, I, I would say like, and this is not touting expertise or ability, but I can remember the times I've been told no. I don't know. I, I probably count them on one hand. And that's not to say that my work is exceptional or that I do something that others don't. It's just that it's so rare it happens. It's so rare that someone says no. They might say not the right fit right now. And then you can start a conversation. Well, what is that right fit? What does that look like? And let me figure out because if you are constantly putting yourself in the posture of my job is to help you the outlet. I want to help you get more podcast downloads. I want to help that magazine sell more issues. I want to help that digital publication get more clicks. If that is your position and that is clear, in your messaging, in your communication, they're not seeing you as, hey, feature me, feature me, feature me. They're seeing as this person wants to help. They are an asset. They are committed to a partnership. This is this could be a great long-term relationship. I need to work with this person. It behooves me as the, as the media outlet to work with this person. And that's what we're looking for because it does become mutually beneficial. As that media outlet showcases great content, their readers are happy or their listeners are happy or their downloaders are happy. And it benefits you as the person being featured because you're getting the authority and you're getting those inbound leads generated into your business. Absolutely. So I, I liked, I'm curious about this. I like to write, but a lot of people, especially business owners, do not like to write. Do you need to be a good writer to get published? No. Not necessarily. I mean, I, I'm a writer. I like writing. That was my background before I got into photography. Mm-hmm. So it's one of the tool sets I'll use. Uh, when I'm pitching to outlets is that, in fact, when I first was getting my photo business up and running, I was nervous that, you know, I'll be honest, because we all have imposter syndrome at some point, mm-hmm. uh, that 
my work as a photographer would not have had enough value on its own. So I actually pitched myself both as a photographer and a journalist. All right. So that was just me. But if this isn't your your skill set and you don't want to be a writer, don't be a writer. Don't pitch yourself as a writer. That's okay. You could pitch yourself like number one as a podcast guest. You can be interviewed. That's fine. You can do TV. Um, and you could pitch yourself as a guest expert. Okay. Mm. I can be interviewed about these things. Mm. And now you're still offering value. You're still trying to showcase what you can do for, for a media outlet, but you're not, you're not requiring that you pursue a skill set that either you don't have or that you're just not interested in, which is okay. There's nothing wrong with that. Yeah, absolutely. So let's say that you've got something published. What I imagine that there's a temptation. There's the release vow. There's the, there's the celebration. There's a temptation to let up on the strategy. Um, what, what are, what are some tactics or strategies that you can use to maximize the momentum that you generate after you've scored a publication? So I think it's, I think really it's a two prong approach. I think recognizing the shelf life of a feature. So let's mm-hmm. say a magazine, a print magazine feature about a 30 day shelf life. So that is a very important time to capitalize on lead generation opportunities. Mm-hmm. So trying to get as many people to see this feature as possible, uh, both within your audience, but leveraging the power of your audience to reach additional individuals. So let's, if I have a magazine feature come out, I might encourage my audience and I might do a little contest or something mm-hmm. to, Hey, by the way, go to the newsstand take a photo holding up that magazine cover and I'm going to award someone, you know, a shoot or, or a, you know, whatever it is. Right. And now my audience is going out buying this magazine, which is driving up sales of this magazine, which is good. And then taking photos, holding it saying, I know James Patrick shot this. I'm entering for this giveaway by James Patrick. So now their audience is saying, well, who's James Patrick that shot this cover and what is he giving away? So, which is going to sell more magazines, which is going to get more people involved. And, and you're, you're basically adding fuel to mm-hmm. something that is already working. And this is great for the publication because once again, any media outlet looks at numbers. They're going to look at downloads and, and issues sold and, and, and clicks that they, that they got on a feature. So if those numbers are going up, that is proof that they want to work with you more. Okay. Mm-hmm. So once again, we're, we're leveraging features. A, a friend of mine calls, it says PR your PR. All right. So that's the window. Podcasts, you know, shorter because, you know, like how often do you put out your podcast? Um, roughly every two weeks. Every two weeks. So yeah. 10 to 14 days is the shelf life of a show for you. And mm-hmm. after that, like when you put out a new show, my name is not going to be what's shown on the Apple Podcasts app or on Spotify. It's the new show, right? Unless I go back and listen to the archives, which people do. But it's not going to be the most recent show. And that's, that's going to get, I mean, your most recent shows probably if, if your shows like mine account for 90 to 95% of downloads is the most recent episode. Uh, so capitalizing on that window of release is, is critically important. Now, once the media outlet passes the, the shelf life, it does not expire for you. And the reason it does not expire for you is number one, you can always reference back to it and you should be. Your audience is always changing, shifting, evolving, and growing. And because we are always be held to an algorithm, just because you land a feature and you talk about the feature and you promote the feature, doesn't mean that more than 15% of your audience ever saw that you got the feature. 
right? So referencing back to it or reminding people, oh yeah, this happened at one point. Or as your audience is growing, there are going to be people who see it for the first time as you're bringing it back into people's awareness. So I reference previous media features I've had, you know, hey, by the way, here was this cover I got, you know, a year ago, and this was what was really special about this cover. Or, you know, here was this media feature we had, and it was just been so amazing to reflect back on all the things I've changed since this feature dropped. Okay. So we're using it as leverage. And once again, I would start collecting social logos. So the logos of every media feature you land, whether it's ABC, NBC, CBS, Entrepreneur, Forbes, whatever it is, and you're placing those logos on your sales pages, right below your, right below the fold on, on your websites, uh, in your media kits, because you can leverage media to get more media, by the way. So if, you know, I, I have this podcast with you, I might say, Oh, by the way, I did this really great interview with uh, Josh and I take this to, I don't know, another show. And I'm just like, Hey, by the way, this is what I want to talk about on your show. You have to hear this amazing interview I did with Josh, right? So we're leveraging media to earn more media and. We just keep building and building and building. And the more we do it and the more we commit the time to do it, the more we start to see a regular influx of leads versus, you know, trickles. Now it becomes a stream. And that's what I think ultimately is the goal that so many have with earned media. Absolutely. So are there, um, I'm interested to know specifically how you can use your own owned media channels um, to maintain that momentum for for the duration of that shelf life, or, or maybe even extend the momentum. So, when you say own media channels, you mean like social media, email list, things, things of that nature. Email list. I guess you could lop social media, even though you don't really own it, but. Your email list, your own website, publication mm-hmm. blog, or, or how, however you decide to style your, your articles on your website, mm-hmm. um, those, those types of media. Absolutely. So this goes back to consumer journey. All right. And I, I like to look at consumer journey. I like to put it in three columns. Column A is awareness. All right. And most of our marketing is to build awareness, to get people to know we exist. Column B is reinforcing value. This is they're aware of us. Now let's get them to like us and trust us. Okay. And the way we reinforce value is through our content marketing, is through offering information, inspiration, entertainment to our audience that satisfies the reason why they sought us out in the first place. So for, for myself, it's lots of information and education about earned media about leveraging features, about how to get published, about how to send that pitch, about what pitches stand out and what pitches don't stand out, about what topics go to the top of an editor's inbox versus what goes to the bottom of the the trash bin, right? And if I'm leveraging my platform to share that information, which by the way, the way to think of the content to put out is just look at all the questions you get from your audience. Mm-hmm. That right there, that's your content marketing plan or or at least the 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 topics that you're going to be covering and then just cover those exact topics and cover them in a myriad of different ways. Some might think that how to get published is a, is a myopic topic, but I've been able to extrapolate hundreds of subtopics from that. I can do a topic just on local media. I could do a topic on speaking on stages. I could do a topic on pitching to podcasts. I could do a topic on how to leverage your own podcast to pitch to podcasts. All of it is just pulling from what people are asking you. So really, what is the goal of the second 
pillar of the second phase. It's to deliver amazing content that solves your audience's needs or gives them a clear benefit before they've ever chosen to engage with you. And when you do that and when it's consistent and when you do that and when it's predictable and when you do that and it has immense value, people want to pay attention. They want to see what is coming up next. I have a client who the system was so simple. It was so simple. It it, it was almost silly that it wasn't going to work. Like it just worked. Her whole thing is helping people make better decisions when purchasing foods. Now, that is a hefty topic that could be approached in a lot of ways that could just get the messaging lost if it was too confusing. So what she did instead was she would go to a grocery store and say, don't buy this, buy this. That was it. If you buy this, it has 500 calories. You buy this, it has 240. That's it. And she made dozens. She's probably up to over 100 of these videos and started releasing them one a day. And they started to get such traction that people would look at her account and realize this account is binge-worthy. Mm-hmm. And that's a cool thing. We think about we think about Netflix as being yeah. binge-worthy. A show comes out, you're like, oh, I got to watch the whole show. But what if our accounts were like that? Where it's like, this thing is so good. Now I have to binge it. Like I found this vegan chef out of New York. Um, my son has a, a very severe dairy allergy. So I've gotten really into vegan cooking. Well, I found this vegan chef out of New York and his content was so simple. It's like, I'm just going to make this amazing thing. Here's a 45 to 60 second video of me making this amazing thing. The recipe's in the, in the description. Enjoy. That was it. But it was done so well, so simple, but well. I immediately follow him, start binging his content. So who do you think bought his cookbook when he dropped a cookbook? Right. This is how we nurture, we nurture, we nurture by delivering great content. It doesn't need to be complicated, simple. That solves a client's problem or delivers a clear benefit. And that's when you can hit that third pillar of those three, which is conversion opportunities. When you can invite that audience who's been nurtured enough to enter into that next phase. Not everyone will, and that's okay. Some just need to stay in that cooker a little longer before they're ready to move over. And that's why you have conversion events at different intervals so that some people are going to be ready now. Some people, they're going to be ready in six months and that's okay. But once we have that system set up, we can easily see how people move from becoming a prospect to becoming a lead to becoming a client. Excellent. So I've, I've, <laughs> it's funny you say that because um, when you say that you know your newest podcast usually accounts for most of of your views that have happened recently and that's true but with with episodes that are particularly good or they they hit something that the audience is looking for there's always a cascade effect with the older episodes even episodes that i thought would just people would just stop listening to they they'll you'll see oh there's five of this of this one and there's two more listens of this one and there's 10 more listens of this one and so people, even though you think something's gone, um, or it's there, but you think it's nobody, it's dormant and people aren't going to listen to it anymore. No, if they like what they just heard from you, the most recent thing, they're going to go back and say, well, what else can I find from this person? You bring up such an important point because oftentimes when we think about, I'll just use the phrase getting published. Um, we think a print magazine, a print magazine has a very, tactile lifespan, meaning it's on a newsstand, it's off a newsstand. And the potential of getting long tail traffic 
which is what you're describing, off a print feature after it is out of circulation is really small. Because unless someone sees it at a doctor's office, you know, and they're like, oh, I never saw this magazine before. It's just because it's not circulation. Digital features, however, do not expire in the idea of the, the, the online ecosystem mm-hmm. or the online landscape. So that always exists. It is indexed. It always links back to you. And that is so valuable for lead generation. Doesn't do a lot for vanity, which is okay. But right. for lead generation, digital features are critically important. And when it comes down to if I, if I have to make a decision of whether I want a print feature or digital feature, I want a digital feature. Absolutely. I want a feature that links back to me. I want a feature where if someone is listening to a podcast, are great because the device we listen to is the same device we need to take action on. All I need to do is click a name and now I'm in that person's funnel or that person's ecosystem or down in that person's lead magnet. Okay. Mm-hmm. So that right there has such inherent power to it. And you're right. Because it does not expire, you are going to get those long tail content. Like I, I think the number one blog article I have on my website was one I did back in like 2011. Wow. And it was like, just because it had the right headline and for whatever reason, that headline hit in the Google uh, search algorithms. And thus, it comes up a lot when people are mm-hmm. are searching for uh, specific mm-hmm. topics. I remember my first ebook I ever wrote, I signed up a bunch of affiliates and I had one affiliate write a blog article about my ebook. And even after I took down the website for my ebook, this person's blog article is still driving sales because I had a cart set up still. So it was still driving sales into a book where I didn't even have a website anymore. <laughs> Years after I'd taken it down. That right there indicates the power of long tail content. So digital features are, are tremendously valuable and should not be overlooked at all. Yeah, absolutely. Something that uh, that I'm curious about because you've you've you worked in in publishing behind the scenes and you work as a pitcher now. I always see like these sort of features of of the if somebody is in a recognizable publication, they'll say as seen on or trusted by. How do you, I, I imagine you need to get permission for that? But how do you go about asking for permission for that? What are what are the the terms of those types of agreements. So I, as featured in, there's no permission needed. If you've been featured somewhere, you've been featured somewhere, you're just Mm -hmm. telling the truth. As trusted by, I've not seen that. Um, That one, I imagine you'd want to ask the editor of the podcast. So it's like, can I use this phrasing to, to connect, uh, to connect my brand to your brand? But the fact that a publication featured you in an editorial sense, meaning you just reminded me of something I want to circle back to. But as long as a publication featured you in an editorial sense, they featured you. You're not misleading. You're not lying to people by saying, I've been featured here. Uh, but that actually brings up something interesting, which is what I've seen some do, some being companies, and I find this to be borderline nefarious, mm-hmm. is they will purchase ad spots in a media outlet. Let's say I bought an ad in Muscle & Fitness. And then I put on my product page as seen in muscle and fitness. Oh, am I lying? No. Am I telling the truth? Also, no. Yeah. I purchased an ad spot. That was a media placement that, that I did. Yeah. Uh, not, not the same, not altogether untrue, but it is a little bit misleading. And, you know, as, as 
you know, a lot of magazines in particular have dealt with a lot of strains in the economy and strains in publishing. And you see a lot of national titles either condensing, shrinking, becoming more niche or disappearing altogether. Uh, a lot of publications are trying to figure out new ways of, of revenue and selling editorial features or, or, you know, sponsored placements has become part of it. Um, mm. it, it, it's definitely made things a little unclear in regards to what yeah. is genuine editorial versus what is not. Um, but to circle back to your question, really, if someone is running a genuine editorial on you, absolutely shout that from the rooftops that you've been featured in a place. You earned that feature with with what you put together. Awesome. How does that fit in with the logo? Because I'm, I'm unsure if you can just use the logo because that's one of the best ways in terms of design on the website to immediately build your credibility to somebody who's reading that page. Um, do, you, do you need to ask permission if you've been on that publication to use the logo or? 99.999% of the time, no one's going to care. Okay. I, I think I've had a, and this is so irrelevant, but I'll just say like for full transparency, I've had a cease and desist on a logo one time in 20 years. Okay. And it wasn't even a media feature I, like as a joke, we made some fake James Bond movie posters <laughs> and we dropped the 007 logo in them. Just so we got a cease and desist letter from the lawyers of United Artists right away. I don't even know how they found it, to be completely honest. Yeah. But I, I've never, that, that issue has never come up. I get asked that question every now and then. And I could tell you as a publisher, I am just as happy to send out my logo to individuals. Hmm. I am just as happy to, like, if someone lands a feature on my podcast, I, I want them promoting it. Right. I want to drive. If someone, if someone gets a feature in one of the magazines I own, absolutely promote the hell out of it. Here's a logo. Here's here's your tear sheets and the logo. Like use all of this because I need people to know about my my validity as a publisher. Um, I I think the only time you're going to run into an issue with that is if you weren't actually featured or they didn't want to associate their brand with what you're doing. And if they gave you an editorial feature, it's hard to imagine that's the case. That's a good point. I didn't think about it that way. You are basically offering free promotion. And if you are building an audience and people like what you're, what you're putting out, that's going to, there's going to be sort of a halo effect on all the publications that, that you, you mentioned there. So there's like a, there's like a virtuous cycle of credibility and also of cross marketing that's going on. Yeah. So that's a great way to think about it. And if you're really worried about it, just ask the editor, like yeah. whoever you're working with, the journalist, the editor, the reporter, like, Hey, can I do this? Like if, 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 if it's a concern of yours, ask and, Mm -hmm. like I said, you're not going to hear no. Okay. Excellent. So um, final question. How do you become a publication that somebody would want to target to get published in? Mm, wow, that's a really good question and, and something I'm trying to navigate myself uh, right now. And I think what I've seen working in publishing for now 20 years is the days of generic and attempted ubiquitous media are done. Mm -hmm. The idea of a bloated magazine that covers a little bit of everything yeah. does not offer value to an audience. Right. There's no reason that I'm going to pay $8 a month plus shipping and handling to have this thing delivered to me that I flip through once that gathers dust on my coffee table until I throw it out. Or really, I just used two swat flies in my house. Like, yeah. it is... It is offensive when I look at some of 
the things magazines have done to cut corners in regards to how they are respecting their readers. Mm-hmm. And they are now paying the price for it. Like, I, I mean, I, I, I have this example. I gave a presentation on, on magazine covers, but I had this example of two different men's health covers, nine years apart, that have identical headlines. Wow. The only difference was the photo. They literally just took a design from nine years ago and popped in a new photo, which means that the content of the magazine was identical to the content they put out nine years ago. They're doing that so they don't have to pay new writers and they don't have to pay the editors and they don't have to pay... like. When you start cutting corners like that and taking advantage of your audience, your audience is going to start unsubscribing. If I don't put time and energy into my podcast, my, why would people listen to it? Yeah. I don't own my listeners. You don't own your listeners. You have, we have to earn the right for them to listen to the next episode by putting out a really good episode. So I think it's knowing your audience and giving them specifically what they need. So, you know, I work with a company right now that I've seen purchase a lot of different magazine assets and any magazine that is unspecific or does not have a niche audience, they're shelving because it's not going to move. It's not going to sell. And it's harder to sell ads too. Because like, well, you can buy this ad in this magazine that targets everyone? Question mark. Right. But (laughs) if I have a magazine exclusively about rock climbing, well, we know who the audience is. We know what yeah. they want. And it's going to be very easy to find the companies to sell ads to, to support this publication. And it's going to be very easy to drill down on the demographics and the psychographics of the audience who's going to read this magazine. And the more hyper-specific you can get within the content you're putting out, within, it is no different from, uh, from what makes our social media successful. When we get into the specifics of what our audience, our audience, not someone else's, but our specific audience needs and deliver them exactly that content, that's when our channels do better. The same goes for publishing. When we get very myopic on what our audience cares about, people are going to want to support that. They're going to want to have a copy of that, whether it's listening to a podcast or getting a print magazine, because that media outlet supports their worldview. And that's really what we're doing as publishers. Excellent. Awesome. So where can people, people find you? What do you, what do you want to plug? So I will, uh, let them know that I have a conference coming up in it's October 13th through 16th. You can do it virtual or in person. The conference is called Fitposium. And here's, here's the, the, the pitch on the conference. You're going to learn everything you need to know about how to get published A to Z. But what's more important is not just what we teach you, but we're going to give you direct opportunities for media features, including your podcast, which I'm so excited. Thank you so much for for being one of our partners. We've partnered with over two dozen magazines, over a dozen podcasts, and over a dozen digital media features. All of them are going to give at least one attendee from the conference a feature within their magazine, on their podcast, on their TV show, on their website. The amount of earned media potential just from attending, even virtually, is astronomical. Last year, 124 media features were booked at, at our conference symposium, 124. Wow. And I want to beat that this year. I think we will beat it this year because we have so many amazing media partners. Yeah. So you can sign up at fitposium.com, virtual or in person. If you go in person, it's a workshop. It's not like a conference you've been to. We just sit and listen to speakers. Uh, the in-person attendees, it's a workshop. We do your photo shoots. We build your media kits. We put you through media training. We build your, um, we help you write out your bios. We come up with your talking points. So those topics that you're pitching. 
so that you walk out of the conference with all your assets done. You have your photos, you have your media kit, you have your pitch page, you have your topic, everything's done. That's the benefit. So all the details are at fitposium.com, but I'll give a an incentive to your listeners. Uh, if you use the code GYM20, G-Y-M-2-0, all lowercase, you'll get 20% off any pass. Awesome. Well, thank you for coming on. This has been a really, really, really excellent episode. I've learned a lot, uh, even as a content marketer myself. Um, this is something I've, I've wanted to know more about. Uh, and it's definitely something that, that Jim Heroes and Jim Desk wants to be doing more of is reaching out to other publications and, and getting ourselves featured. So thank you for coming on. I think my listeners are going to be really, really delighted with this episode. And I hope we can actually do this again sometime. I would absolutely love that, Josh. And I really appreciate you having me on. Thank you so much. Thank you.